Emily. Hi. What's up? Oh my god. <laughs> you guys. This you is guys. gonna be this is gonna be a rough a rough episode. And I feel like we say that a lot, but like I actually mean it this time because uh-huh. like if I were playing serial killer bingo, I'd have a blackout right now. Oh god. This is so bad. This is she's hidden everything. Everything you can imagine that a serial killer's ever done. I didn't think I would, and then oops, surprise cannibalism. So oh my like, god. It's it's bad, guys. That's the worst kind of cannibalism it's is bad. the surprise kind. Yeah. So before we get into that, we just wanted to say a couple things real quick. First oh. that we love you. Uh second content warnings for everything. This one's gonna be rough. Yeah. I have a lot of details in mind. I'm gonna try and gloss over what I can, but some of it I can't. That's legit. So you gotta tell a story. And the third is that we're sorry. <laughs> we're so sorry. We have margaritas. We do. We have margaritas. Salted with are, our tears. It's it's very good. And it's the only thing that's going to be good. Because mine is also really shitty, but like not on like a, the personal level. I think that, well, I don't know. We'll fucking see. I'm pretty sure. I can't believe the one I'm doing is the lighthearted one. Like, I'm so angry. <laughs> I was like, I messaged Emily to warn her a couple days ago. I was like, I'm doing like a whole thing. And then she was like, oh, hey, don't worry. <laughs> I gave you a choice because I was like, hey, this one's pretty fucking dark, even for me. It was like she dared me. Yeah. So I was like, mm, now Just you have do to. It. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, don't say I didn't warn you. Yeah, whoopsie daisy. And now here we are with um, my 13 pages of research notes. Yeah. So... We um we did want to say because we've forgotten to mention the last couple times that we had a poll yeah, a few weeks ago. We Thank did. you for everybody who voted in that. Yeah, and unfortunately for us, the poll was very close. It was the poll was about whether we should continue our current way of doing things, where we have a, l- a light episode and then a heavy episode, where we're both doing heavy stories and light stories at the same time, or if we should switch it up and do one heavy, one light every episode. And by one vote. Sticking with the way it is, is was the winner. So here we are. It's going to get rough, guys. Yeah. If you want to reassess your decision. Yeah. After. We we'd be happy to put up a second like poll. A poll. <laughs> Please. Oh, also, um, here's a fun little fact. Emily, in our private messages, has started calling. <laughs> oh, no. Our listeners water cans. <laughs> so, you know, you know the thing at the end where I say, don't forget your can of water. And Emily pretends that she's angry about it. That's a bitch. She loves it. No, I've accepted it. Oh, okay. That's There's different. a difference. <laughs> you went through the five stages of grief. I did. <laughs> um, we did have a, a slight positive, unexpected. We're both doing stories that take place in Japan. Yes. We Ag- did not talk about that. Again, completely without meaning to. All right. So hello, Japan. I don't know if we Ooh. have any Japanese readers. I don't know. I'm, if we do, readers, I'm s- listeners, wow. Jesus Christ, Woo. I'm not even drunk. No. <laughs> okay. We're going to start with my story because mm-hmm. we did discover, didn't we? Mm-mm. Did mm-hmm. we decide to switch? Because you're supposed to go second because you go second on all the serious ones. Oh God, that's right. Yeah. Oh. Unless you would rather go first. No. It, are you sure? I don't know. Because if yours you- is worse than my, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Because I'm fine with whichever. This is just in the order. I was like psyching myself up to go first because for some reason I got it in my brain that I was going first. I mean, if you're all psyched up, I am totally fine with that. I wish we had listeners here to tell us. I know. Which to do. 
Bam Bam. Bam Bam. Who should go first? He was no help. He was zero help just now. Mushu. Mushu. <laughs> Mushu, who should go first? God, these cats are the worst. They've got that summertime. Should we sweep, like, flip a coin? The G. Um, yeah, sure. Do you have a coin? Uh, on the table. I see a penny. <laughs> okay, I can't really flip a coin by doing I the can, cool thing. I can. Here. Okay. All right, Two-Face, let's see it. Whoa! <laughs> Two-Face flips coins. <laughs> he also murders people. Uh-huh. I am no Harvey Dent. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, no, you're not, apparently. <laughs> For the listener, she flipped that penny straight over her head. We probably can't find it. <laughs> it's gone. For, it, it landed behind you, probably on the cushion. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Oh my god! Let's amazing. Let's try that again. Listen, this is smaller than a quarter. Yeah, and way smaller than a half dollar. True. What do you? We didn't. What do you? Call oh yeah, it? we should call it. Oh my god, we suck. Um, I will go first if it's tails. Fuck. Are you first? Shit, okay, 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 fuck. Now I have to suck myself up into the story right away, because I was thinking I had a minute to, like, okay, me and the listeners, together, just, like, psyching ourselves out. You're in your car, or you're washing your dishes. You shouldn't be around any children. You should probably also have, like, readily accessible funny things that you can listen to later. Okay. I looked at pictures of dogs. Oh, good call. Look at pictures of dogs. Maybe or not cats. while you're listening or, to this. Or um, the hippo at the San Diego Zoo that's just learned to do a barrel roll. Beautiful. Um, I'm going to start with a quote. Oh, shit. Some people used their personalities to lead revolutions. Others to conquer nations. Futoshi Matsunaga used his for profit, malice, and murder. That's a damn good quote. Uh-huh. You didn't make that one up yourself? Nope. I do not take credit for that. <laughs> um, before I dive into this, guys, I need you to appreciate how deep into the internet I had to go for some of this information. Oh, my God. And I'm going to touch on that, but, like, this was not really covered in a lot of Western media and even in most Japanese mainstream media it's- until, like, years after because of how horrifying and awful it is they literally couldn't print the details oh my god it's so bad okay so futoshi matsunaga or matsunaga futoshi if we go in western order sure which for most of this i won't because this is like japanese articles that i found that someone translated oh sure so the name is everything is in japanese order that's legit so he murdered at least seven people with his accomplice, Junko Ogata, who was also a victim of his abuse. Great. So we've got a weird partnership dynamic. Gross. Yeah. As there are with a lot of murder partners, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So, like I said, like most media didn't report the details on this. Like most of them didn't even cover this in mainstream news when they were arrested. Okay. So the Japan Times stated that the prosecutor said the case is without comparison in the criminal history of our country. Oh, my. I feel like I'm just like psyching you guys up for this. Yeah. So as much as I don't like to talk about the killer or like shine a spotlight on the killer and really want to focus on the survivors, this one is so different because of how everything ties in together. Sure. You got to do some background. It's real weird. So I gave myself a guesstimate that we need the harp in about 10 minutes. 
Oh, God. Oh, what? So you have 13 I, pages of notes and 10 minutes in, you think we're going to need the harp noise? I'm going to try and fly through okay. those notes. Okay. Oh, God. And then I have um, content warning for a lot of things, like so many things. I don't even know where to start with that list. All of it. I think just all I mean, of it. We covered it with all of it before. Everything bad that you can think of probably happens in this. Yeah. I'm have, so afraid. We have a survivor. Technically two if you count Junko. Okay. Because she was a victim, but she was also a big perpetrator. Oh, this is a girl. Okay. Yes. It's a guy and a girl. All right. Matsunaga was born in 1961. And grew up in Kitakyushu, which is in Kokura City. He did really well in school. He participated in debate. Uh, but then uh, he got kicked out of school and got put in a male-only school because he was having relations with a younger girl while he was in high school. Oh, how, how much younger? I don't want to know. Never mind. This is just she the early days. She was in junior high. Okay. It could have been worse. Remember her. Oh, no. All right. So... After graduation, he took over his father's business and made it into a futon mattress business. Okay. But he wasn't doing well. Just the mattresses, huh? Yeah. Not the frames? No. Gonna go ahead and guess. Maybe that's why it wasn't doing so well. Well, that and, like, he wasn't that great. Okay. Because he was, like, half actually sales and then half a lot of intimidation. Oh, good. So he's like so, Yakuza-ing his way yeah. through selling Speaking only mattresses. Yakuza, we'll come back to that. Oh, fuck. Okay. This really is bingo. <laughs> I wasn't joking. <laughs> All right. So they began lying on paper to make it look like they were making money. Mm -hmm. So at this time, he's married to another woman. And in 1980, they, they had a son, but they divorced. His ex-wife stated that escalating violence was why she left him. Great. So he was he was well known as being very intelligent and on the surface, very polite. Uh -huh. um, but to the people who knew him better, he was said to be jealous, sadistic and full of anger, a compulsive liar with a self-centered attention seeking streak. In his earlier years as a child, he had actually been diagnosed with a disinhibited attachment disorder. Whoa. Specific. Very specific. Um, it's usually diagnosed under the age of five. Okay, so something happens real early in your childhood, so and now your kid's fucked yeah, up. And they, they notice that, basically, they don't attach to people the right way. They are very attention-seeking. Um, the, the psych book said indiscriminately friendly behavior. Poorly modulated peer interactions, depending on circumstances, there may also be associated emotional or behavioral disturbance. Great. Yeah. He sounds like a fabulous kid. So he used to tell all these over-the-top stories. Sounds like anybody else we know. Maybe like Ted Bundy. Mm. I was literally already uh -huh. thinking about Ted Bundy, yep. like, with everything you're yeah. saying. So he's Ugh. a huge womanizer. Great. Huge womanizer. Because he's like friendly and mm -hmm. charming. Over the top, charming, very intelligent, Smart, polite. Yeah. Um, so Run away. Yes. He literally, like, I kept this in here because it's such an insane thing. He had told a woman at one point that he was in a band mm -hmm. only because she was interested in folk music. 
Oh my god. Oh yeah, like it just comes out of your mouth. So You're like, well I play guitar. <laughs> he like half convinced and also like half threatened his business subordinates to start a band with him. Oh my god, he followed through. Investing thousands of dollars to buy professional equipment. And then they held mandatory practice sessions at the office. Oh my god. And then when the keyboardist told him that he was singing off key, <gasps> he attacked the keyboardist telling him that all they had to do was follow along with his vocals, which were perfect. Oh, they oh, rented oh. out a massive hall and had a concert. Oh, my God. Which was disastrous. Holy shit. This man is insane. But like he, before. Like, he kept it up until he lost interest in the girl. That makes sense. And Jesus. at the concert, he had his next wife, Junko, there. Who was pregnant? Oh. Wait. Yeah. So he's interested he in this other woman. He divorced the other woman. Oh. He was dating Junko, which I'm going to get into. Okay. But then he was trying to seduce this new woman while married to Junko, and she was pregnant. Oh, my God. Okay. So, yeah, huge womanizer. Sounds about right. Yep. All right. So he also, like I said, this is fucking bingo, guys, had religious delusions. Oh, God. Is Calling he God? himself the Messiah. Oh, shit. He's God. He should have just become a cult leader. Okay, that affects a lot more people than the seven. Yes. Years. But still, like, Close. he sounds... It's, it's like a small cult, because here's the thing about, like, the seven victims. Small. Most of them were related. Okay. He, like, got into families, and it. I just, oh. I'm going to get into that. Okay. Okay. So, um, not not a cult leader. Not not a cult leader. <laughs> That's on the so bingo card, at too. at one point, he was trying to convince this futon-buying guy. <laughs> I just wanted want him the to mattress. Buy, yeah. In bulk, he wanted him to buy these I want, futons. I want 47 mattresses. No frames. Just the mattresses. We're so gonna... they weren't making the payments. So he went with a couple of his other subordinates to the office who... Um, there was an article that described all the people that he worked with basically looked like thugs. Sure, because he's, he's really bad at hiring. Well, he's into that intimidation factor, I'm sure. So they were yelling at the guy for not making the, his payments when then Matsunaga just stood up and started yelling that there were evil spirits behind the man that were threatening to take his soul. Oh, my God. And then Matsunaga asked the man if there had been any problems in his life recently. And the man was like, yeah, yeah. He admitted that he'd been unable to buy the futons because his company was failing. Oh. So then Matsunaga was like, hey, you should come work for my company. You clearly suck. Yeah. Why don't you come over here where yeah. I also suck? So he took the guy, convinced oh him to come with him, took him to a small rundown building that was behind the main office of the futon company. Oh, no. Where there were other men that were being held captive. What? Whoa. Surprise! Shut, yeah, surprise! Shut the fuck up! I'm listening to this story where it's like, he started a band. He seems kooky. He seems a little scary for sure. This whole fucking time that you're talking to me with your mouth, you're telling me he's got dudes in the back. Yep. Just, just strung up. No, well, no, they were working. But they're, they're stuck there? They yeah. can't leave? Yeah, they're trapped. Oh my god. So, they were stuck for two years and being forced to work by Matsunaga, who constantly... Do they live there? Yeah. They're never able oh, yeah. to leave. Yeah. Two whole years. Yeah. Yeah. You go to sleep there, yeah. you wake up, you work, yeah. you go, oh my yeah. god. 
So they were constantly told that they would face God's ire if they tried to escape. Sure. They were beaten, humiliated, and then administered to electric shocks in a soundproof room that he'd built on the third floor. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He has and, a soundproof room. <laughs> yep. And they were given so little to eat that they had become emaciated. And then to top it all off, the meager earnings that they were getting were regularly used for Matsunaga and those close to him to have nights out. So he also, like, threw extravagant parties. Isn't he the one paying them? Yeah. But so, like, he just... He's he like, just didn't. He dangles yeah. cash in front of them. Like, and goes, here, you get two pennies. <laughs> oh, no, no. Never mind. No, no. I do need you to You don't buy need it. it. I need a drink. Yeah. Right. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. So. This is already very bad. Let's, uh, let's just take a quick break from Matsunaga and talk about Junko. Hello, Junko. I'm so sorry. So, Junko was a kindergarten teacher before all of oh, this. Oh, holy shit. And in 1982, she happened to reconnect with her former classmate, Matsunaga. Oh, no, honey. One of her students had gotten slightly hurt while playing, and his father was a Japanese gang member. Most likely, da-da-da-da. Yakuza! (laughs) And had threatened her and the kindergarten because his child had gotten hurt in her class. Oh, no. Well, Junko was like, oh, fuck. And went to Matsunaga, a wealthy businessman who was doing so well. Just so well. He was throwing all these extravagant parties and everything, so he looked good from the outside. Yeah, maybe because he, you know, has entirely slave labor. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yep. And he helped her and made basically the gang problem disappear. Oh, God. No one knows how. Yeah, probs murder. Mm, Maybe. Murder. So the threat stopped. Junko was very grateful. They started dating. Oh, no. While he was still married. Junko, honey. Yep. Honey, we have... She didn't have a lot of dating experience. And did she know that he was married? He seems like someone who could lead 40 different lives and no one would know. Yes. She knew he was married. Oof, uh, Junko. But he said he was going to also marry her. Can anyone explain, please, if bigamy is a thing? I already had 13 pages of research. I also didn't want to look into Japanese bigamy. Yeah. Big, yeah. Or, uh, or polygamy. Polygamy. Uh, depends on how many he's I, planning on getting. <laughs> Words are hard. Okay. It's fine. So she was always known as quiet and hardworking. And she had been known to love children. And later had two sons with Matsunuga. Matsunaga. There we go. Um, who she had always protected from him and was inspired by to keep surviving. Okay. Yes. So she's, like, going forward, she's got... Yep, her two kids that... Her kids. Yeah. yeah, That she wants to protect from their father. I mean, that's unfortunate that that's your thought. It's like, I am going to marry... Not the other kids. Right. There's other kids in this. Oh, God. Oh, that's one of the content warnings. I'm so sorry. Hey, kids. Content warning. Uh, Kids. Kids. Fuck. Okay, so... They, Matsunaga was very nice to Junko at first. Sure, of course. Like and then it would. got worse. Mm-hmm. As um, it too. Yep. He made Junko bring him an old diary and beat her while interrogating her experience with other men. And she then, wasn't with them when she was uh-huh, with him? Uh-huh, Just old uh-huh, boyfriends? Uh-huh. Oh, and then Junko. marked her as his property. He burnt her with a lit cigarette on her right breast and tattooed his name on her right thigh. He tattooed made, it? Yes. Oh my and God. then he cut, he made her cut off all contact with any male friends. 
Well, yeah, that sounds textbook. Yep. Also, you know he thought that tattoo was dope. You know oh, that yeah. he's exactly the kind of person who's like, no, my singing this is, is perfect. Beautiful. I'm an epic I'm tattoo an amazing artist. artist. I am. I can't believe that I'm not making millions of dollars with my tattoos slash painting slash whatever I feel like doing yep. this week. Yep. So Junko eventually stopped everything. She was emotionally and physically exhausted. She collapsed at work oh, no. and attempted suicide. Oh, God. This pissed Matsunaga off and made everything worse. Um, and then he made her quit her job at kindergarten. Like, she just stopped showing up. Oh, God. Like, they didn't know what happened to her. Showed up for her last paycheck, and that's it. Woof. So, let's get into Junko's family, who's going to come into play oh. a lot later. Great. So, Shizumi is Junko's mother, who was obviously worried for her daughter. She didn't want her daughter marrying a man like this. Well, Matsunaga didn't like that. Oh, no. He told Shizumi that they needed to meet privately to discuss this. And then he took her to a hotel and raped her. Whoa, 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 whoa. The mom? Yep. Yep. The mom? Yep. Basically being extorted at this point, so there's nothing that... Uh, Yeah, either that or she'll have to go and say... Oh, God. She'd have to admit that. Yeah. (sighs) Okay, so... Like I said, I'm trying to just... Well, yeah, really clipping Ooh, along. Really, really like, just... I'm it's just, like you're reading down a bullet point of all the shitty I things a person like can do. A <laughs> all right. So, when all of this started happening, and Shizumi went through that whole awful ordeal... I'm sorry, Shizumi. Yeah. Pressure then fell onto Junko's sister, Rico, to take Suave. over... No. <laughs> To take Sorry. over the family business since Junko, Junko was not going to. And she and Matsunaga had no intentions to help. Great. So Rico was in an arranged marriage with an agricultural worker, Kazuya. Man, arranged marriages in the 60s, huh? mm. 70s by now. 80s. 80s by now. Holy shit, 86. Japan. 86. Japan. So they get married and... While all of that is going on, Matsunaga and Junko have started leaving threatening voicemails for their relatives. Just because they were pissed off that because Rico was taking over the family business and doing all of these things and supporting the family and being a good team player, the family inheritance was going to go to Rico. Well, that doesn't make sense. And not to Junko. But. Which pissed off Matsunaga. So now he's calling them and making Junko call them. Yep. And threatening them. So Junko, like I said, was also working at Matsunaga's company later and was helping him with the fraudulent activities. They were opening credit cards and friends and family's names and oh. then racking up a ton of charges and then screaming at them when they like discovered the debts of like, why haven't you paid this? So they were extorting a bunch of people for money that they never spent on credit cards they never took out. Fuck. Yeah. Well, Man. obviously that didn't work yeah. for a while. Yeah. And the company went bankrupt. You're just trying to sell futon mattresses. Just the mattresses. <laughs> I'm so angry. Of course this is going to fail. You are the most useless business to have ever existed. So they went bankrupt and everything <sighs> came out to the police of how they were trying to stay afloat. Oh, I bet. So the cops were looking for him. Mm. 
So they were on the run. Now, in Japan, there's a statute of limitations on fraud charges. So because this, this all happens for many, many years, that statute of limitations passed in July of 1999, so they can never be prosecuted for what happened. So they just stay out of yeah. the public eye and under the police's yep. radar for that long. Doing murder. Doing oh, murder that subtle, whole time. Subtle segue. Fun. Okay, here we go. So, oh. 1993. <laughs> I just, I don't think 1993 is going to be a good year, it's you guys. It's not. Um, it's better than 97. What the fuck? Okay. So, 1993. This foreshadowing sucks. <laughs> yeah. In comes Kumio Toraya. No, Who was run a friend of Matsunaga's. No. Who worked for a real estate firm. Stop firm. being friends with him. And this is when our survivor comes in. Oh. So... Matsunaga used this connection with Kumio to stay in multiple residences where he then com later committed murders. Oh, like houses she was selling, but no one was living there? Or? Yeah. Okay, great. So Kumio trusted Matsunaga enough that he started speaking about some of his own criminal misdeeds. Because Kumio had a little bit of a criminal history. So you don't tell Matsunaga this, because then Matsunaga took that, flipped it, and started blackmailing Kumio. Oh my god, yeah. Yes. I'm going to need you to give me these houses, or I'm going to tell the authorities all that shit you told me. Yep. Great. And then he also made him write false confessions about how he sexually abused his own daughter, <gasps> and then stole money from his company, so then suddenly he's now unable to escape the situation. Oh like, my he god. can't get out of this. I have to imagine this Matsunaga guy is just incredibly intimidating by himself. Yeah. Like... He doesn't need anybody. He no. can just convince you to do anything. Yep. yep. So Kumio's daughter, who is unnamed, and in all of the anything I found, she's referred to as Girl A. Okay. That's already so fucked up. Yep. That means the stuff that happened to her is so unthinkable. She was a minor. And she was a minor, and they can't list her name. They she's can never 10. tell. At the, in 1993? Mm-hmm. Okay. Hi, baby. Mm-hmm. I don't like calling you girl A, but I understand why no one should ever have to, like, know your name and that that happened to you. Well, she might have been younger in 93. I think mm. she was 10 by 96. Okay. So, Kumio's daughter, girl A, um, was with him and was forced to witness a lot of what happened to her father. Once Matsunaga had basically his claws in him and wasn't letting him go and was holding him captive. Yeah. So oh, God. the testimony said that she watched her father get electrocuted multiple times uh. by both Matsunaga and Junko with exposed wires. He was beaten. This is hella gross, guys. He was forced to eat his own feces. Why? And there's audio of that. Why is Do there not do not. I found it by accident because, like I said, I was in the deep, dark parts of the internet, and it's a horrible thing, and you can never unhear it. I don't understand why that exists and why anybody got a hold of it he to put it on the internet. He had photos. He had audio. He had video. Like, he had everything. He loves it. I fucking said this was bingo. Like, yeah. I wasn't joking. Like, because, like, he's, he's doing this as a means to an end, but he also just loves it. Yes. He's so happy he's doing yes. this. He's taking video so he can relive it. Yes. What a fucking ass. So, um, he was also starved. Girl A later also said that her father never resisted until the end. 
even telling the then pregnant Junko, so this is her second baby, Ugh. that he hoped her baby was born healthy. He's just such a good guy. Aww. So Kumio died February of 1996 after prolonged torture. So he just, Girl, he, he just, his body just gave up after um, all this shit. No. What? Okay. So. No. <laughs> no, he was, he was killed. Okay. He was killed. Okay. Um, Girl A testified that Matsunaga had made her participate in her father's torture, which is like one of his favorite things is making family members kill other family members. Great. And that's going to come into play later. See, you're just as fucked up as me And now. afterwards, he also made her help in taking apart and hiding his body. What the fuck? Before Kumio's death, Matsunaga had forced Girl A to bite down on part of her father's bar- body hard enough to leave a mark and then took a photo of it. So she'd be implicated. Yes. Oh, my God. Took a photo of it and made her write a confession that she had killed her father. Oh, why is he so smart? I hate him. Oh my god. Harp noise! <laughs> I think that's ten minutes, you guys. <laughs> no, it's longer than that. I can see the time. I tried my best. I'm over here doing it. We're not even to the actual, like, really bad part yet. Maybe I just say harp noise and then later we actually have it because this is... All right. It's only gonna get worse. So. One question. Uh-huh. So Junko's just full-fledged in it now. Yeah. Like, she's just doing whatever he says because yeah. she's been so beaten down for so long and she lives no life outside of this. Yes. Creepy. Yes. All right. All right. So around this same time, Matsunaga was also having relations with another woman. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> who was a friend of Kumio's. So while Kumio is being tortured... He's stooping one of his friends. What are you, a Jewish mom? I love you. Anyway. Thanks. <laughs> so the woman was forced to give up all of her money to Matsunaga and to Junko after she and her three-year-old daughter were tortured by them. Oh, my God. In March of 1997, she managed to escape where they were holding her by jumping out of a window and I believe it was a second-story window. Oh, God she damn. survived. Oh, God damn. So this is, this is our second survivor. What a huge The child ass. also survived. Whoa. Here's the thing. As awesome as it is that they got away, she was placed in a mental institution, and her daughter was left in front of her ex-husband's house. Oh, God, honey. As of 2002, when everything kind of came out, she was suffering from such severe PTSD, she couldn't work, and she was living on disability. Whoa. Yeah. She saved her daughter, though. Yeah. God, they leapt from a window. Yes. That's, like, it had to be so bad. Yes. I'm picturing now a city dotted with empty houses where he's Apartments. Just, apartments where he's just got people. Tied yep. up, waiting to be tortured. Pretty much. As he makes the rounds. Pretty much. Oh, my God. Damn, my cat. All right. One, two, skip a few. It's 1997. Remember? Remember this is the year that I told you it was going to be, like, really rough. I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, after Kumio's murder, 
Mm-hmm. Matsunaga <laughs> was getting really frustrated with a lack of funds. FYI, they still have girl A. Okay. They and still have her. So his business is under. Yup. He's, He's not extorting getting... people for money. Right. He's but... not getting any money from Junko's family. Yeah. They literally are making money by torturing people until they get all their money. Yes. Cool. So he told Junko to start asking for money from her family and friends. Her requests were all shot down. Maybe because... You know, they'd been leaving very angry voicemails years before. Yeah, because they're hugely scary and abusive. Yep. Yeah. Um, so eventually she began working as a bar hostess and pretty much just worked full time. Of course this piece of shit's like, you're the one who's going to work. You're no, going to work. I'm no, going to torture. No, no. What? Nope. He didn't like that. Oh, no. He didn't like that. So Matsunaga then went and talked to Junko's mother. Oh no, oh no, a woman he has raped. Mm-hmm. And everything came out. He told Shizumi, her husband, Junko's father, Takashige, and Riko, Junko's sister. The whole family. Um, he had them come to his apartment. And at that point, they were apparently all aware that Kumio's murder had happened. And uh, yes. And they basically were trying to protect Junko. So he tells them everything. And they're like, we just have to keep this under wraps yes. for Junko. So and Junko's now out working. So they held a fake funeral from Matsunaga, they help to him lure Junko back to protect Junko from telling anybody else about the murders. <laughs> wait, wait. Yes. Wait. So she's gone working so much. Yes. That they she have basically to say had an out. She's earning money now. Yeah. If she wanted to run, she, she could, could. She's like waiting on that paycheck just to be able to go. And so they're like, "We'll help you fake your death because so we don't want you." to go to jail and we don't want her to go to jail so we need to have her come back so the plan worked and Junko was basically captured and held by her entire family this is so fucked okay they all started living at the apartments they're all complicit they're all in it yes so they were all commuting to the apartment from their own homes pretty much daily um, he had used alcohol to gain the family's trust. <laughs> Every night it's like, I have sake. Yep. And then he, <laughs> like, wow. he used the alcohol to ply information out of them. That he would then use to blackmail them? Yep. So he uh, he learned about other family members' faults and failings oh. and started slowly eroding those relationships. Oh my god, he's so in... So he started breaking down the family bonds. He is a cult leader. He is a cult leader of this creepy family who, yeah. by the way, catch 22 when they chose the wrong side. She should have gone to jail. Yes. Because they could have gotten her some mental help. Yes. For all the shit she went through. Yes. And she was complicit in a murder. Oh god, yes. She's about to be complicit in, insta- in a whole bunch more. And instead they just give her back to her captor. Yep. Like, so not only did he manipulate them into starting to hate each other and having doubts, 
He also got Junko's father to change the plumbing in the bathroom after what? the murder of uh, Kumio, <laughs> thereby implicating him in aiding and abetting and covering up evidence. So he sees the blood and he's like, now mm-hmm. you've seen it and you're not going to yep. say anything. You've so. seen shit now, so now you have God to stay quiet. damn it. He's too good. He's really good. Junko, once again, tried to escape because she was sent out to another city mm-hmm. to send out a letter to a woman named, um, that Matsunaga was seeing. And girl A was sent with her to watch and make sure she did what she was supposed to. On the train ride home, Junko tried to get away by running out of the train doors as they were closing. Oh, God, honey. But girl A acted quickly and ran after her. Oh. Junko then got into a taxi, but girl A hit the windows with her fists and started yelling, which prompted other people to call out that they were going to call the police. Oh, shit. Junko at that point then gave up and got out of the taxi. Damn, girl A. Yeah. Remember, she was young. Yeah, I mean, she's just she's been want with this... them for years she's now. She's the only person she knows. She just yep. doesn't want her to run away she from her. She refers to um, Junko as her aunt. Aww. That's how they were told to behave. Yeah. Oh, so I don't blame Girl her. A then contacted Matsunaga and asked for instructions. Junko tried to run away again and got on a train, but Girl A got on the same train and then told Matsunaga where they were going. And Damn. then once they got to the station... Junko saw Matsunaga there and just stopped. Just stopped trying to get away. I mean, she this, has been trying so yes. hard. And this was basically like this, the flipping point of like she's done trying to fight this. She might as well. Because literally like in the testimony from Junko, she was not trying to run. She was literally trying to go to um, the Aokigara Forest near Mount Fuji. <sighs> Is that the place where people kill yep, themselves? to kill herself. Uh, yeah. She didn't even want... She wasn't trying to start a new life. She nope, just wanted... She just really wanted to, to go die. away and kill herself. Wow. Yep. So, uh, Kazuya, who is Rico's husband, suddenly becomes suspicious of his wife's long absences. Oh, God. Wait. How long has it been? He's just like, you know, you are gone you know, a lot. You go every day to this apartment. You've got a job. With your family. Yeah. This is just... weird. So oh he comes to the apartment. Oh, no. And Matsunaga basically sinks his claws into him. And he God, thinks so that it. Rico had told him while she was drunk. Oh, no. Like that she'd contemplating divorcing him. That she'd had an abortion in oh. the past. Oh, shit. And broke him down mentally. Um, he then also forced uh, Kazuya to change the tiles on the floor in the bathroom. Now implicating him in the same murder of Kumio. Okay. This is a man who is getting... Okay. Just bear with me on this. Yep. This is a man who is getting everything he wants including his bathroom remodeled. Yes. It's crazy how much he is making things come together. Yes. Because it's like, first of all, I need to cover up this murder. Second of all, I need to make sure y'all aren't going to tell on me for the murder. Mm-hmm. Third of all, that tile's a little dated, don't you think? It's been there since the 70s. There's I've really... blood in the grout. And... Yeah, oh, I can't get it out. You do it, and I get literally everything I want. Moving on! I'm losing my damn mind. All right, so <laughs> he's now an accomplice in Kumio's murder. Everyone is. So Rico and um, Kazuya's two children 
Aya, who's 10, and Yuki, who's 5, um, were brought over to the apartment. No! Soon after, Kazuya started staying there. So everybody living there. Everybody's there. It is a cult. Yes. So the police are still looking for Matsunaga and Junko for the fraud charges. And are looking for them at their old house. And then at the at Junko's mother and father's house. And literally, where did all these people like, go? Yeah. It's and like then they've been kidnapped. Once they realize that that's where they're looking, Matsunaga uh. gets paranoid and locks everything down. Oh, no. He makes everyone stay in this small apartment and refuses to let any of, the, any of them out and bugs all of the rooms. Oh, my God. Yes. Why is so, he so smart? At this point, like, before this, they were still going to work. Mm-hmm. At this point, no. No one's going to work. No one's going to school. And all of the unemployment and severance money went to Matsunaga. Makes sense. Jesus. So they're, they're losing their jobs left and right. Yes. And then Matsunaga blamed Junko's father for not bringing in more money. What the fuck? Due to the fact that he'd failed in selling off his father's property because he was blocked by other relatives for doing this. In December of 1997, he was punished through electrocution by Junko. And it was so bad that he fell into a coma and died. (gasps) This is Junko's father? Yes. She killed her own father. Yes. With electrocution. Yes. Jesus fucking Christ. Matsunaga told Aya, the 10-year-old girl, that it was her fault that her grandfather had died. No. Because she had once told him that he should die after a fight with him. Oh, no. Oh, God. That's a child's worst fucking fear. Yes. This is a 10-year-old girl. Horrible. They already blame themselves for so much. Yes. So, afterwards... While making other family members take apart and dismem- and dispose of the corpse, they took Christmas and birthday party photos for the five-year-old. Just to be like, look, we're a regular family? Yep. Well, so the bodies, like I said, were being taken apart. This was happening in the bathroom. And they were doing this with saws in an apartment, guys, in an apartment. It reeks of blood. Yes. Yes. It just fucking reeks in there. And uh, then anything that couldn't be shredded with a mixer. Wait, like a, like a, like a food, like a food processor? Yeah. What are we talking about? (laughs) So anything that couldn't be sawed apart or broken down were boiled in a pot until they were liquefied. And then everything was disposed of in the ocean or in public toilets. It reeks. It reeks so bad in there. It reeks of all different kinds of death and boiling fat and quote for about a week in the summer of 97. Oh no, it's summer. We could hear the noise of a saw being used in the apartment until around 3 AM. A neighbor says, and there was this vile smell that permeated the entire apartment block. Call the police, you psychos. Yeah, guys, like... It reeks and someone's using a saw until three in the morning? It's subtle. It's subtle. It's so subtle. You're right. You're right. I wouldn't do anything. Yeah. All right, so... (laughs) It's January of 1998. Thank God 1997's over, at least. (laughs) I didn't say 1998 was going to be better. Hey, I need you to cool it right now. God damn it. Actually, 1998 is worse than 97. What the fuck? So, 98, (laughs) Shizumi 
Junko's mother, uh-huh. after prolonged electrocution, had a psychological break. Oh, God. And wow. began just screaming. Oh, my God. And remember, they're in an apartment. Yeah. Everybody can hear that. So Matsunaga had a family meeting. Family meeting, your mom won't stop screaming. <laughs> Some said that she should go to a psychiatric hospital, but then Matsunaga was like, no, no, no. Because tell people everything. might find out. Uh-huh. And then Junko suggested that they kill her because, again, people might find out. God damn it, Junko. So in the end, Junko and Rico held their mother down while Rico's husband strangled her. He's taken it so far. Yes. These were, right. just, these were just people who were there because they were being blackmailed to be there. And yes. he broke them down to a point where they will kill each other. Yes. And they'll suggest it themselves. Yes. Cool. I want right. death. For so, me. Oh, this... this oh. I know. I, I know the exact point that we're going to have harp noises. And it's, it's oh, no. It's no, 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 All no, right, no, no, so Matsunaga, throughout this whole time, had raped and later coercive sex with Rico several times. This doesn't surprise me. And they'd had sexual relations in the past, oh. which was unknown to the rest of the family. Oh, shit. So while they're doing this, at one point, Rico's period stops. Oh, no, oh, no, Around no. the time of killing her mother. And Matsunaga and Junko suspect that she's pregnant. Oh, no, 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 no. So Junko begins to try and electrocute her frequently in the hopes that she'll miscarry. But Junko starts telling family members that Rico's gone crazy. And as a result of Rico becoming hard of hearing... Um, because of repeated electrocutions, this is easier to sell. So Matsunaga told the family to temporarily move the, to another apartment where the previous killings had taken place. And then while there, they had another family meeting to talk about what was going to happen to Rico. Every um, time he calls family meeting, everybody's just like, someone's going to die. Yep. So they basically decided to kill her out of mercy because if she were left alive she'd be forced through so much more torture of being pregnant or they're just saying she's crazy okay literal torture they're just gonna like matsunaga was gonna keep torturing either we can kill her and put her out of said misery or yeah or she's just going to keep getting hurt so her husband volunteered to kill her what the fuck so grab your drink there's not enough of it left. So Kazuya asked his now, I believe, 11-year-old daughter to hold down her mother's ankles. No. And Emily. tell her goodbye. No. Emily. Rico gasped out, quote, Kazuya, am I going to die? To which Kazuya said, I'm sorry, Rico. He then strangled her to death, broke down. And said, finally, it has come to this. I've even killed my own wife. Oh, a moment of clarity for you there, huh? So, for quite some time, Kazuya had been suffering from some gastrointestinal issues because of torture. 
Because, you know, electrical currents through your body repeatedly is not good. Yeah. Also, constant stress and the smell of blood. And bad food. And bad or food. Or lack of food. Or being, yeah, oh, God, they are so, all so fucked up. It got a little bit better for a while. So he became Matsunaga's chauffeur so that Matsunaga could go see his lover <sighs> around town. Um, while out, um, he was also made to eat a lot more food than he was used to because they didn't really get fed. So, so he wouldn't be hungry on the long drive back. That was Matsunaga's justification for that. Great. Well, Kazuya began vomiting pretty badly one day when they got back to the apartment. And he wasn't able to keep any food down. So Matsunaga gave him a can of beer, an energy drink, and locked him in the bathroom naked. What? And then he starved to death in the bathroom. What? Yes. Wait, how long was he in the bathroom? This says an hour, but I think it was longer. Because, like, what, he starved to death, but he just, he can't keep anything down. Yeah. But he does have, people can survive for a really long time without food. But he was given a beer and an energy drink. Beer is still liquid positive. I don't know about energy energy drink. Energy drink is not. (laughs) Don't drink it. But you get so, but it's also the bathroom. Is there no running water? I don't know. I'm so confused. He was also probably very sick. I think it's probably, that's my thing, is, like, Maybe they say he starved to death, but, like, that seems wrong. Like, it seems like he was just so fucking sick. He had yeah. nothing to help him. He, yep. he, he might died. have... Maybe he died of dehydration because he's vomiting up yep. everything. It's possible. Oof, oh, Either my God. way, he died. So oh, now God. we're down to Junko and Matsunaga. They are the only adults left. And then the three children. Oh, God, that's right. Aya kids. and Yuki, who are under the care of Girl A. And Girl A. Oh, God, Okay. Oh, my God. And this is when we're going to need harp noises. (laughs) So a month after Kazuya's death in May, uh, Matsunaga began to say that there was a possibility that the children would come back later to take revenge on us. Basically trying to get Junko on board to kill all the kids. So at that point, Aya begged that they be returned home and said that she wouldn't tell anyone that happened. But Matsunaga wore her down, basically just being like, don't you feel bad for your brother? You know, we should take him to be with his mother. So Matsunaga then had Aya, who's now about 11, and Junko tell Yuki, who's now about probably five or six, Mm -hmm. um, that he was going to go see his mother. Oh, no. And then they strangled him to death in the kitchen. So it's just like anybody who's a problem, anybody who's a little more work than they they want, mm-hmm. they just go. Yep. It doesn't matter. There are parts in other podcasts like the dollop where you can tell the person listening to the story has been broken. I am at that point right now. <laughs> Harp noise. <laughs> End of harp noise. End of harp noise. So it's June now. 1998? Yes. Okay. And Matsunaga starts ramping up his torture of Aya. Because he's bored now! Yep. He's running out of people. I want him to die. Um, basically trying to tell Junko that it would, be, it would be too hard if she was fat. So he started basically starving Aya 
And Junko took that to mean that they were going to be killing Aya soon, which is what Junko then told Girl A was about to happen. Oh, great. Um, Junko told Matsunaga that Aya had said she wanted to die. And when Matsunaga asked Aya this, she nodded, lifting her head off the ground so they could wrap a cord around her neck. Junko and Girl A then proceeded to kill Aya. This is... Uh, this is the first kind of light at the end of this this dark, 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 dark tunnel. Oh, is there a light? Yes. Is Are you sure? This is not the light. This is not the light. None of this. This is a fake light. A flight. This is the light. Yes, this is a flight. <laughs> God damn it. All right. So Girl A manages to escape oh. in January of 2002. Oh, okay. So they kill Aya. 2002. They kill Aya, and it's just Girl A, Junko, and Matsu fucking whatever. Yes. I don't care about what his fucking name is. And then four years of the... Four years more. Yes. Are they torturing Girl A? She seems like the only one who's... Okay. They are torturing her. Well, she's the only one left. Yep. I just combined yep and yes. Yep. Into yes. Barino. All right. So Girl A ran... And got to her grandparents. But because she had been with Matsunaga for so long. Oh, God, she's barely a person anymore. She basically had been allowed to escape so she could ask for money from her grandparents. Oh, God. Okay. And she's completely brainwashed. She's And she, yeah, she didn't say a damn word about what happened. Right. I mean, we have done other episodes where kidnapping victims have been through less than this, but they've been around a long yes. time, they get conditioned, they don't say anything. Yes. That's why they let them out. Yep. So Ugh. she was quiet, but she was out. She had a part-time job. Oh, God. So she could send money back. Mm-hmm. So Matsunaga had been seeing girl A's aunt, who was also Kumio's older sister, and... She, girl A, while working, she'd managed to get far enough away that he knew she was gone, but he didn't know her exact whereabouts. So, girl A's aunt eventually told Matsunaga where girl A was. Oh, God damn it! So, Matsunaga showed up told her grandparents that girl A had been stealing from her father and him and getting into drugs and that she needed to be brought back to her father because she didn't tell them what happened to her father. Right. As far as they knew, he was still alive. They don't even know they he's don't know. dead. It's they been don't know. years. Yes. Oh, my God. So she manages to write a note saying his story is all false. Please come get me and leaves it. Oh, uh, like, I'm um, just a moment of clarity. Yes. Like, so when she's brought back to the apartment, this is almost the end, guys. We're almost uh, there. We're so close. Uh, this is bad. Uh, so she's brought back to the apartment. She's electrocuted by Matsunaga and Junko, made to write an oath in her own blood that reads that she would not attempt to escape again. Um, she was also, oh, this is so gross. This is so gross. She was forced to rip out her own toenails. That's yeah, so fucking so, specific yes. and so bad. Ugh. So days after the toenails, 
March of 2002. Just walking around with no toenails. She manages to escape again. Oh, my God. No toenails running for it. She gets to her grandfather's house and finally calls the police. Oh, good. The following day, Matsunaga and Junko were taken into custody. And it took some time to discover their real identities because they did not have IDs anymore. Oh, God. They've been off the grid. paperwork. Yeah. Yeah. So the only thing that indicated who they were was Junko's high school yearbook. Holy shit. That's some serious police work. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Yes. So girl A told them everything. She told them the whereabouts of Junko's two children. Um, There were also twins that Matsunaga had taken in after relations with their mother. Like, this woman basically gave him her children. They were still alive. They're okay. So, like, they're just in other locations? Yes. Oh, my God. This this man had a series of torture apartments. That's all he had. So, due to the lack of physical evidence, because the bathrooms were so meticulously clean, and with the plumbing and tiles replaced, and Girl A only having witnessed some of the murders, the cases moved forward, but it was really, really slow, because there was a lot of circumstantial evidence. This is also why you keep things like this out of the press, I feel like, because... When you're trying to take somebody like that to trial and you're trying to have a jury, I don't know if it's the same way there where they have to have like an impartial jury, but like that seems we help them, as I will talk about later, write their constitution at some point. So they probably have a similar justice system to us. And like, there's no way there's anybody on earth going in impartial to this guy if they've read about what he did in the newspaper. Yes. And because of how clean it was, there wasn't any real physical evidence, but... Remember those audios and then the photos, the cops found it. Oh my God. See that. Okay, good. So there's Thank a God. quote. Um, when we raided Matsunaga's home, we found loads of pornographic photos and videos that he had taken. No, there was even uh, photos where Matsunaga had taken pictures of naked women walking around with horrible things. Okay. Oh so. my God. <laughs> You nope. you had a whole paragraph. You were I like, did. Uh-uh. And I'm like nope. <laughs> nope. Christ almighty. So it was a lot of her testimony and then these photos and audio. Tell me he goes to prison forever. He does. That's how I'm gonna end this. Yay, I'm so, so happy. Both That's he all and Junko were convicted. Good. They were found guilty. Good. Of I believe six murders. They couldn't prove all of them. Sure. Six is fine as long as they go away for and life. they were both sentenced to death by hanging. Good. Oh, they still had hangings. Yes. Oh. Look, at least my... Uh, Junko did some shit. She deserved time. Yes. She did. Yes. But she was tortured for years before any of these other people. Yes. Mentally, emotionally, physically, into being basically a torture automaton. Yes. I feel bad for her in a way. Yes. I also understand why they killed her. I also understand why they were like, you gotta go. (laughs) Yes. You will never be a person again, for one thing. Pretty much. Christ. When you go through that kind of stuff, you... No. You can't rehabilitate that. I mean, yeah. Like, I'm gonna be on the fence about her, but she'd be in a mental institution for the rest of her life, either way. I can't remember if they commuted her sentence to a life sentence with... Something along those lines. Sure. But he is definitely, like, 
the last thing I read is he's still awaiting his oh, execution. Japanese death row. Yeah. But it's coming. Oh, my God. If he wasn't a narcissist who needed to make photos and videos, I wonder what would have happened. Because they didn't have evidence. Yeah, they literally had her testimony. Yeah. Because he was... That's, that's the problem with guys like that. Because a lot of psychopaths, sociopaths, narcissists, they're not that smart. That's why they're sociopaths. Because they don't have, like, emotional intelligence. Yeah. This person is way smart. Yeah. That's, he knew exactly how to manipulate everybody and how to get rid of all evidence. Like, he thought through everything. It was like a giant puzzle of people were his puzzle pieces and he was shoving them together. Yep. To make everything work out for him. God, what a fuck. It's crazy to be that crazy and still be that good at what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hate him. Oh, I wish he was dead. I wish I knew he was dead. Oh. Okay, so. So there you go. <laughs> this was a weird one where like I had to talk about him because of yeah. how intricately involved he was in all of this. Yes. And well, you have to how know Manson he was in oh it that God, he yes. wasn't doing a lot of the killings. Mm-hmm. He got other people to do it. It is fascinating. Even as it's horrifying, it's yes. fascinating how he got all that to happen. Yeah. How like these people normal lives, normal ass lives, but it's like you're fucked because I have your daughter and I'm going to figure out how to have you too. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to turn you all against each other. Oh, there should, uh, there's probably a book about that guy. There's probably a movie. some in Japan, probably it's so fucked up, but like we like fucked up. I don't know that I'd watch this movie though. I don't know that I would too, but people are into that shit. I couldn't even watch audition. Like I'm, uh, Japanese horror is not for me. I know, this feels like some human centipede-esque yeah. fucked up shit. Yeah. I'm... Harp noise? Harp noise. Depending on how I'm feeling when I'm editing, there have been three harp noises. <laughs> oh my god. This was a doozy. This was a fucking doozy. I am literally pausing. Hey, how you doing? Well, I'm doing just fine. I lied, I'm dying inside. And we're back. We're super back. We're very back. Mm. Um, my new motto is everything happens so much. <laughs> yep. yep. All right. My new motto is I can't believe I got through that. <laughs> I can't believe you got through that. I can't believe we as, as a pair got through that. I can't believe our listeners got through that. Good Congratulations job. if you're still here. You should literally stop what you're doing and pat yourself on the back. Because you got through some shit like, just now. Seriously. That's probably going to be the worst thing that ever happens on this podcast for sure like i can't imagine finding something that's worse than that i don't want to accept that challenge that's nope i'm good let's not okay so i'm gonna talk about something also related to japan i'm gonna drink a margarita and it's yes and you're gonna drink your face off i hope um and (laughs) so it's gonna be shitty in a very different way This last thing was very personal to a particular set of people. Yep. And this is, I mean, I've got a lot of personal stories, but this is a a countrywide cultural fuck-up on the part of America, mostly, but also, like, the Japanese military. In case you haven't guessed from any of the things we've been saying so far in the podcast, I'm going to be telling you about survivors 
of the Hiroshima and Nagasaki atomic bombings. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is the light part, guys. Oh, this is not this the light. Is... Uh-uh. <laughs> if I hadn't already named a podcast that, <laughs> that's what I'd be naming this one. <laughs> I don't even know what we're going to call this. The worst hour anyone's ever spent. Serial killer bingo. <laughs> I do like that, actually. <laughs> okay. So August 6th, 1945 was a bad day. Yes. It was a, it was a really bad, it was just a terrible fucking day. Yes. We, the United States, America, America, became the first country to ever actually use the atomic bomb. I think most people are aware that that is a thing that we did and that no one else has done. Yep. On August 6, 1945, we dropped the bomb on Hiroshima, Japan, and the citizens of the city became the first people to understand the immediate and long-term devastation that that causes. Not by choice. Not by choice. No, they didn't fucking ask for this. They did not volunteer to stand under an atomic bomb. No. Uh, over 135,000 people died in Hiroshima that day. Just yeah. that day. Three days later, because that was not enough... We dropped another bomb on Nagasaki, Japan, which killed 75,000 people just that day. And because this podcast is about survival, I'm here We're to talk, talk to you. We're going to talk about three survivors. Yeah. <laughs> Weirdly enough, lots of survivors. Um, I mean, not, you know, not enough. Uh, no. Preferably, everyone would survive uh, in a perfect world where we never drop these bombs. And in a perfect world where World War II never happened, uh, just another reason to, you know, the first person who invents time travel, please go back and kill Hitler, please. Because... Just don't let anybody pull him out of that river. Don't. Don't. Just let him float. It's right? We all, we all float down here. Oh. Especially Hitler. Oh, my God. <laughs> all right. All right. We're entering Stephen King territory. We are. I watched it with my brother. Uh, the new one? Yes. Actually, correction. I watched half of it with my brother and he went, I can't. <laughs> really? My brother's not a uh, scary movie guy. Oh. And we got to the part uh, where the hair grabs the girl out of the drain yeah. and then blood yep. flies everywhere. And he was yep. like, no. So. All I did was sit here looking at that being like, don't, don't mm -hmm. look down the drain. Oh, it's so bad. Don't. Also, it's like they've been having all these visions and then that's the first thing that's real. That's actually That really happened. fucking yeah. happens. And it's nut bar. <laughs> anyway. I mean, the movie does get worse after that. It's so. super due. Um, so I'm glad that my brother made that call. Uh, so he didn't, you know, have nightmares for the rest of his life. He's like oh. a 19 year old and he, but he just like can't do it. He used to run out of theaters as a kid for like not even scary shit. Huh. <laughs> the fact that he made it that far is kind of impressive. Though. I know. Oh, and he's doing the, uh, the nervous laugh. Oh. at everything because i'm like you just don't want to act like you're super scared because you're super fucking scared i would have thought like the storm drain would have just gotten him oh yeah yeah he's giggling throughout that entire part oh. like tr like because we're like trying to find hey georgie like <laughs> funny and it's not funny it's very scary <laughs> anyway i'm gonna start with the hiroshima stories okay so the people who survived on that day, remember it as a rare morning where there were no air raid sirens. The city of Hiroshima knew it was a big target for just any type of bombing had been bombed before. They had shelters all over the place. They had um, 
like trenches that people had to uh, pitch in and help dig to halt fires if they started in certain parts of the city so they wouldn't spread to the entire city. It is a city ready to be bombed. So air raid sirens go off every day. Not this morning, however. At 8.15 a.m., people are headed out to work and school, and they're not having to hear this horrible noise for once, so people like specifically remember that that was a lovely morning the skies were clear, and people also specifically remember the exact sounds that a B-29 makes. That is a type of plane. It's very loud. Yes. It's and by very this, big. It is. It is a big boy. It has to carry an atomic bomb. Yeah. And the people of this city are so used to hearing planes that even the children, who these are all the survivors were children at the time. They're, it was so long yeah. ago. They're the only ones left. Mm-hmm. But... They remember exactly what a B-29 sounds like versus another type of plane. They knew when they heard it, it was a B-29. This B-29 was called the Enola Gay, as mm-hmm. most people will remember. And the atomic bomb it was carrying was called Little Boy because... Irony. Because irony. Because they thought they were so funny, weren't they? Yeah. I call everything a little boy, a big boy, a fat boy, a silly boy. I can't do that anymore without thinking of this fucking bomb. And that makes me so angry. Congratulations. <sighs> you ruined a whole thing for yourself. I know. I can't call things little boy anymore. Nope. So this is my first survivor story. I am doing four little stories for you. Two in Hiroshima and two in Nagasaki. This is the story as told by Akiko Takakura. Akiko was 20 years old at the time, and the reason why I'm telling her story is she is the closest person to what they call the hypo center, I think. H-Y-P-O, not hippo, hypo. Hypo. The hypo center of the bomb, like where... Because the bomb explodes in air. It doesn't land on the ground. It explodes Mm -hmm. in the air over the city. But where it was falling, she was only 300 meters from that. So that's crazy. It's crazy that she wasn't immediately annihilated like most yeah. people that close were. She was, in the, at the time, inside the bank of Hiroshima where she worked. Oh, that's why. Bank buildings, man. Yeah. They got it. When you look at pictures of this city and of Nagasaki, it is buildings blown over as far as the eye can see, and then f- like three or four standing. This yeah. bank building is one of them. All right. So I've got some quotes here. Um, it's, it's a lot of quotes. I'll, I'll be honest. These people have their own testimony and I wanted to keep as much of that as possible while still making sure it wasn't like entirely a block of text. Yes. So it was like a white magnesium flash. I lost consciousness right after or almost at the same time as I saw the flash. When I regained consciousness, I found myself in the dark. I heard my friend, Mrs. Sami, crying for her mother. Soon after... I found out that we actually had been attacked. Afraid of being caught by a fire, I told Mrs. Sami to run out of the building. It turned out Akiko's friend, Mrs. Sami, was unable to move. Um, whether it was from the shock or the force of the blast, she just like wasn't sure. She was like sort of constantly coming out in and out of consciousness, yeah. not able to stand. Akiko refused to leave her friend. She heard running water from the bathroom from a burst pipe all of a sudden. So she took her helmet, because again, this is a city ready to be bombed. They all have helmets. She took her helmet and um, started getting water from the burst pipe and pouring it over Asami over and over and over again until she came to enough to move. That's really fucking smart. Yes. And really nice that she stayed there 
yeah. and helped. Like, she didn't leave her. Yes, she really could have just run for her life, and that would have been completely understandable. But she doesn't. She and Asami leave the building, um, and it's unclear if that's a smart move. Because, yeah, there's fire inside I the mean, building, and the building's all fucked up, but, no like... No one knows yeah. at this point. I get, I this get is the, the first atomic bomb that's ever been dropped, right. no and they one knows probably what's don't even know it's an they atomic bomb. They have no clue. They probably think it's a regular-ass yeah. bomb. So, at that point, then, going outside would be a good idea. Mm-hmm. But being that close... Yeah. Turns out, like, outside is a very bad place to be, yeah. too. She says... We first thought to escape to the parade grounds, but we couldn't because there was a huge sheet of fire in front of us. So instead, we squatted down in the street next to a big water pool for fighting fires. Since Hiroshima was completely enveloped in flames, we felt terribly hot and couldn't breathe well at all. After a while, a whirlpool of fire approached us from the south. A whirlpool of fire. Yep. She's the one who calls it that. It could be a translation thing, but that's a crazy no. thought. It's no, that... Yeah. Imagine a big tornado of fire. <laughs> like just yeah. a big old It was it was big like a tornado, she says, spreading over the full width of the street. That's I mean, the think about all the gases in the air. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I mean that gas are... lines are broken. Yeah, it's just making everything it's worse. Just... Yes. She yeah. was so close to the epicenter of this yeah. thing. And that is the end of her testimony. It doesn't say how she got out of that. That is what's so upsetting. But just like knowing that like this person, people had such different uh, experiences depending on where they were, but she was utterly completely surrounded by fire. And I think it's just the fact that they were crouched near this water pool the whole time. And they just waited yep. for it to, to slow down. And she lived. Um, most of these people, they are giving their testimony when they are in their 70s and 80s. So they live they through the whole damn thing. This is my second survivor story from Hiroshima. This is Setsuko Thurlow. I think she might have married a Western person. Because yeah. Thurlow is not a very Japanese name. No. But Setsuko is fucking rad. Because she is the executive director of the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons. And a Nobel Peace Prize winner. Nice. Yes. Um, she won that prize for specifically her work with this campaign. Um, Amazing. Yes. She is killing it. Uh, she was 13 years old at the time, and she worked decoding messages for the army. Yeah. Aww. I was like a mile away from ground zero. I was at army headquarters, and a group of us, about 30 girls, had been recruited by the army, got training in decoding messages. We were to start the very first day as full-fledged decoding assistants for the army. Imagine a 13-year-old girl dealing with very important, top-secret information. And it, like she's having an interview, so the woman is like, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, yeah, that shows how desperate Japan was at this point. Yeah. Because like, they we're were... the end. Yes. Oh, my God, yeah. They yeah. are inching along and yeah. refusing to give up. And so they are recruiting children constantly to do this work. So Setsuko's work was a mile away from the hippo center. Hypo center. Um, I'm like hippos. Hippo center. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, every time I would think that, I would think of you. <laughs> I was like, it's not a hippo because it's not Emily's favorite animal. <laughs> they are having their morning pep talk and they're pledging, they're doing their little pledge to do their work well and to keep things secret. And in that moment, I saw the bluish white flash in the windows. And the next thing I felt was floating in the air. Obviously, the blast from the bomb had flattened the buildings in the city, and the building around me was falling. 
So like the floor crumbles underneath her. She remembers floating and then her body is falling together with it. So when I regained my consciousness, I found myself in total darkness and silence. I tried to move my body, but I couldn't. So I knew I was faced with death. So many people, I read so many testimonies of, of buildings collapsing on top of people and them just thinking, I'm going to die. I'm going to mm-hmm. die. I'm going to die. This is it. It's like one of my worst fears. I know. I mean, horrible. The way they describe it, though, it's like it barely registers that they're underneath stuff. It's yeah. just that it's dark and it's quiet. Their bodies are in complete shock. She has no recollection of how long she laid there before she started hearing the voices of her fellow co-workers calling for help around her and then a man calling back. The man tells her to crawl toward the light. She and three other girls make it out of the rubble, mostly okay. Hmm. Three out of 30. Yeah. Um, And they make it out of the rubble and they see, okay, this seriously sucks. (laughs) Like, this is her quote. (laughs) This sucks. I could see some dark moving objects approaching me. They happened to be human beings. They just didn't look like human beings. I called them ghosts. They were covered with blood and burned and bludgeoned and swollen. And the flesh was hanging from their bones. Parts of their bodies were missing and some were carrying their own eyeballs in their hands. Hey, I should have said content warning a little bit ago. Yeah. See, I warned you guys. Look, if you didn't know by now that this episode's fucked. (laughs) Okay. And as they collapsed, sorry, their stomachs would burst open. Everybody was just slowly shuffling. Nobody was running or shouting for help. Nobody had that kind of physical or psychological strength left. That is another thing I heard over and over again is people just shuffling towards safety, barely alive. Their flesh is burned. It's a huge shock to your system. And to go through that much pain all at once. They're not even feeling everything just your body is just overloaded. Right. Yeah. So these three girls end up following this procession of ghosts and other injured people into the hills for shelter. They give water to the dying people lying on the ground as they pass by because there's just bodies everywhere. And a lot of them are calling for water. And so they would take off, they took off their shirts and they dipped them in the water of the spring nearby, which may have been a bad idea. Yep. I don't have specific stories of these people, but I remember one guy. I just, like, can't get him out of my head. He did the same thing. He fed water to people from a local river. Mm. Everything is so contaminated by that point. There is radiation everywhere. It's in the air. He, these people were gasping for water so much, he feeds it to, like, 20 people, and every one of them dies. And I'm pretty sure it, like, settles on top of the water. Yeah. So any... Anywhere you're get like you're getting all the worst stuff yeah. from the surface of the water, and that man says there was there was not a day he didn't think that maybe maybe some of those people would have survived if I didn't give them that water. So terrible because they're just trying to. Is so hard. I know. I mean, there was nothing he could have done. Especially, they probably would have died yeah, anyway. They probably would have died anyways. Um, and you know, in a situation like that, this is this was uncharted territory. For how to deal with the aftermath. Oh, yeah. Nobody's no got... one knew. And there's, it's not like there's a doctor around everywhere to tell you what to and do. Nobody knows what's 40s. going on. Nobody like... even knew about radiation. They had no idea this was going to happen. So, yeah, that what happened to that man, this happens to that girl. But she just, she feeds the water to these people and she keeps walking into the woods. And this shit is also why those people stood under that atomic bomb in the 50s. To see what the fuck was going to happen. To prove to world... 
as they're like, the Red Scare is coming. They're like, it's fine. Atomic radiation isn't a thing. Mm-hmm. We're fine. They're so clearly wrong. Like, I, if we had had this knowledge, would things have been different? Maybe not. Because people are fucking crazy. Yeah. But who knows? Her last bit of a quote is, And when the darkness fell, we just sat on the hill. And all night we watched the entire city burn, feeling numbed and stunned. That was my day on August 6th, 1945. Woof. Yeah. I mean, and there are hundreds of thousands of people who have the exact same story. Just getting out of things by the skin of their teeth wandering toward whatever shelter they could make for themselves and watching their city burn. Um, okay. We're just going to go right into the Nagasaki stories now. Keep going. Yeah. We set such a, uh, Pace. It's a clip. It's, it's a clip it's a of pace. devastation. Just 24 seven. Getting through it. It is nasty in here. So August 9th, 1945, three days after the bombing of Hiroshima. And I do just want to mention, like, I did a lot of research on why we dropped the second bomb and there isn't a consensus. And like, there was this slow response because nobody knew what happened to Hiroshima. It's the 40s. They don't have instantaneous like understanding of what's going on in all parts of the country. So all they know is that cities around Hiroshima that were far enough from the blast to have not dealt with much of it realized that all their shit was gone. The radio signals, telegraph stuff, all of it is not coming out of Hiroshima anymore. Yeah. And that slowly makes its way. It's it's at least a day before the main like military in Tokyo and Kyoto, like that they're even aware that this really happened and, and how wide scale it was. So we give them three days. <laughs> and that's why there's a lot of thought that we were always going to drop this bomb no matter what happened, because it's not enough time to allow the military to the, allow the government of Japan to make a decision. There's also a lot of people who say they probably wouldn't have changed their minds. Like, at this point, Japan is so entrenched in this war, and the military has been so adamant about death before surrender mm-hmm. that this it might not have made a difference. But a lot of records of our own military stuff, even outside of Truman, like our own president may not have known we were planning to drop this bomb, but people higher up in the military may have always thought we're dropping one little boy and we're dropping one fat man. Also a hilarious name. Fuck you. Seriously. Fuck you, the military. How dare you give these horrible things these names? So, the fat man is a bigger, better bomb, basically. The fat man, um, the little boy was a, an enriched uranium bomb. The fat man was an enriched plutonium bomb. In the episode where you talked about nuclear fallout, they were doing tests in multiple places yep. at at multiple times to to test both of these bombs. One of the other theories is that we dropped both so that we could prove that testing both made sense. (laughs) Like, what a horrible reason to do it. Fun fact. Mm -hmm. My mother's remedial math college professor Mm -hmm. worked on the atomic bomb. (laughs) That was like her claim to fame that she never talked about Mm -hmm. was that she worked on the atomic bomb. Shit. And was now teaching remedial math. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, in her college uh, in California. Her career didn't go so good. No, you gotta wonder if, like, yeah, some of these people were punished, but some of these people punished themselves. Yeah, out of some feeling... of these people took themselves out of that field mm-hmm. from being like, oh look, I, I killed, am, I am death. I killed 
300,000 people. Isn't that where that quote comes from? I am become death, destroyer of worlds. I think so. From somebody testing the atomic yeah. bomb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good quote. You were correct. Congratulations. So what's extra shitty about Nagasaki ah. is, that, is that that's not where the bomb was supposed to drop. Oops. The bomb, like when the B-29 took off, they were headed to Kokura, Japan. They had already ruled out Kyoto because it was too much of a cultural center. They were, like, trying to not be super shitty, I guess. Yeah. Why? <laughs> hey, so if they had dropped the bomb on Kokura, mm -hmm. uh, my serial killer probably never would have happened. Fuck. He was from Kokura City. Fuck. Born and raised. Holy shit. And he was born in 61, you said, but and his he was parents. born in 61. We're not saying that that in any way excuses Holy the bomb. Holy shit. But it would have been cool if this guy didn't live. I just want him to get hit by a car as a child. That's all. I can't believe that that came to get, like, that's Holy so weird. Holy shit. God, we're I good at this. Goosebumps. We're so good at this. <laughs> I am so. Whew. So, yeah, Kokura, dude. They're headed there. And the weather turns shitty. God damn it. And the plane loses access to its reserve fuel, so it can't just fly around and wait for the weather to be okay. So they have to make a last-minute decision to divert to another city, and they choose Nagasaki. They had this list, because they were going to keep fucking bombing, and they had other cities they were going to hit. Nagasaki is the one. Oh, and the other thing is, this is a bigger bomb, but fewer people died. And that is because the city of Nagasaki is a mountainous terrain. The entire city is on top of hills like San Francisco. Like, the only reason, like, a lot of the blast and a lot of, like, the force of it and the fires from it were contained was because of the hills running throughout the city. That's why there were fewer people dead. If they had hit Kakura, this would have been a bigger issue than Hiroshima. More people would have died rather than less. So ultimately, I guess it's a little better. <laughs> This is my third survival story. Uh, Sashiko Matsuo was 1.3 kilometers from the blast. I don't know how much that is in miles, like two miles maybe. Um, th that, like I was saying earlier, uh, while Hiroshima, everybody there was caught completely off guard, Nagasaki's had three days. They've heard of this. They know what's up. And uh, as this person will tell us, the other B-29 bombers, just ours, just flying over Japan all the time, were dropping leaflets in the city. And I assume other cities. Because, again, Nagasaki wasn't supposed to be hit until the last minute. But this flyer, like, gets dropped a few days earlier, and it says that Nagasaki will fall to ashes on August 8th. That's what it says. This person's story starts with that. The leaflets were confiscated immediately by the Kenpei, which is the Imperial Japanese Army. They confiscated the leaflets instead of telling everybody to leave the cities. They just swept them up and acted like it wasn't real. My father, as the story goes, my father somehow got a hold of one and believed what it said. He built us a little barrack up along um, a local mountain, just, just outside the city, to hide out in. We went up there on the 7th and the 8th. The trail up to the barrack was rugged and steep, and with several children and seniors in tow, it was a demanding trek. On the morning of the 9th, my mother and aunt opted for staying in the house. So they were going to leave the barrack and go back to their house. 
Go back up to the barrack, my father demanded. The U.S. is a day behind, remember? Oh, shit. Yeah. So this is, they think it's the ninth. They think it's over because it was supposed to happen on the eighth. And no, it's our eighth, their ninth. Yep. When they opposed, he got very upset and stormed out to go to work. So he went to work, but everybody else stayed in the barracks. Oh, no. Yeah. We changed our mind and decided to hide out in the barrack for one more day. That was a defining moment for us. At 11.02 that morning, the atomic bomb was dropped. Our family, those of us at the barrack at least, survived the bomb. We were later able to reunite with our father. Oh, good. Yeah. Thank God. Well. Oh, fuck. However, he soon came down with diarrhea and a high fever. Mm, His hair began. Yep. Radiation. His hair began to fall out and dark spots formed on his skin. Fuck. My father passed away suffering greatly on August 28th. <laughs> if it weren't for my father, we would have suffered severe burns like my aunt Otaku or gone missing like Atushi, or we would have been lodged under the house and slowly burned to death. She also says like that 50 years later, she had a dream of her father and he's like wearing a kimono and he just smiles at her. Oh, no, I didn't mention this. Girl A also had dreams about her father. See, and, like, that, like, means a lot to them. She felt like he was in heaven from that. Like, because he saved all their lives, but because he had to go to work, he died. My fourth survivor story. I liked this one. I like these two because while the other ones were basically just completely caught off guard, they were lucky to have lived. Mm -hmm. They were just fucking lucky. These people. They were fucking ready. Yes. Now, this one's crazy. This person was 4.7 kilometers from the blast. He was six years old at the time, and he was at home, so he wasn't school age yet. Don't go to school today, my mother said. Why? My sister asked. Just don't. Mm. It was on this particular day that my mother insisted that my older sister skip school. She said she had a bad feeling. This had never happened before. Trust your gut. Yes, this woman fucking trusted the shit out of her gut. My sister begrudgingly stayed home while my mother and I, age six, went grocery shopping. So they left the house, unfortunately. Everyone was out on their verandas, enjoying the absence of the piercing warning signals. So once again, Nagasaki, a morning where there are no air raid sirens. They mean literally nothing, it seems. Suddenly, an old man yelled, plane. Everyone scurried into their homemade bomb shelters. My mother and I escaped into a nearby shop. As the ground began to rumble, she quickly tore off the tatami flooring. She just literally is ripping up flooring to get under this building and tucked me under it and hovered over me on all fours. Oh, no. Everything turned white. I mean, he's in the floor. Yeah. And he's still white out. Yep. And he's he's like six or seven miles away. We were too stunned to move for about ten minutes. When we finally crawled out from under the tatami mat... There was glass everywhere and tiny bits of dust and debris floating in the air. Floating in the air. Like, so creepy. I can't imagine how surreal that is. The once clear blue sky had turned an inky shade of purple and gray. We rushed home and found my sister. She was shell-shocked, but fine. Later, we discovered that the bomb was dropped a few meters away from my sister's school. Oh, shit. Every person in her school died. Yeah. My mother single-handedly saved both me and my sister that day. Oh, mama's doing work. Oh. 
Killing it. Owning it. So, I do just want to mention, like, there's so much to go into this story. Like, there's a lot about, like, our relations with Japan. There's so much controversy. There is, there's so much controversy over why the fuck we even goddamn did this. Was it necessary? What would have happened if we hadn't? How long would have the war have gone on? What is the, you know, obviously the, the issues with radiation and how it's affected generations of Japanese people going forward? Yeah. Um, I, I did, I did mention earlier that a huge number of people died on the days the bombs were dropped. 135,000 and 75,000. Don't get too fucking unsad yet. Don't Be- worry. That wasn't <laughs> Good. gonna happen. Good. Just making I know what's sure. coming. Mm-hmm. An additional 90 to 166,000 people died in Hiroshima within the following few months of the bombing. And in Nagasaki, that number is estimated at 60 to 80,000. Just from the radiation, from the injuries occurred, accrued, from fires, from not being able to get in Starvation. adequate medical stuff. Yes. Yeah. Probably starving and, and being trapped dehydrating to, to death. death. Yep. Yes. Being trapped under rubble. So I have a little bit of a reflection. So one thing that struck me like as really interesting while reading all these accounts from survivors, because there were a ton that are like just their own words. They've been amassed over years and years, and they, I found a lot of articles with them. Nobody talks about peace quite like these people do. Everyone I read, they were all so adamant about how the world can never allow itself to be plunged back into a war like this. They speak just as much about Japanese, like the Japanese army's own mistakes as they do about America's mistakes. Um, they, like, they talk about this as a failure of humanity. They don't blame yes. America in the way I would expect them to. They blame the war. They blame this, this, anger on both sides they blame their own country as well so one thing that was really interesting uh that i learned in school and then had forgotten was that when japan surrendered after nagasaki um and actually they were going to drop drop more bombs and then our president truman stopped it on august 10th he said we're not dropping anymore we're going to wait and they finally surrendered a couple days later and then because the surrender we were asking for was unconditional they got no terms. We told them what to do. We stood over their shoulder while they wrote their constitution. And their constitution includes an inability to declare war. They are not allowed to declare war anymore. Bitch, no. Holy shit. Like, I can't believe Bitch. we fucking had the balls. <laughs> like, But anyway, here's the thing. There is a movement right now in Japan to change the constitution after 70 years, finally. Where they can declare war? Yes, because <laughs> because of North Korea. Yep. <laughs> so they're very afraid, and that's understandable. North Korea is like, oh, oh, you can't uh-huh. declare war. Okay, oh, cool. Isn't that interesting? Ooh, ooh, ooh. And they're like, hey, what the fuck? But what here's the neighbor? thing. neighbor? Yes. But here's the thing. People remember the shit out of this war. World War II, people still, I mean, even though most of the survivors of it are 70, 80 years old, they remember it so well. Only 49% of their people are for changing the Constitution. 47% are still against it. They are pacifists now. Mm. Like, a huge contingent of their their population absolutely refuses to let this go. And yeah. they think it's a good thing, for the most part. Yeah. A quote. Just one last quote. A quote from Inosuke Hayasaki, a survivor of the Nagasaki bombing. We would not be where we are today if it weren't for the countless lives that we lost due to the bombing. And the many survivors who have lived in pain and struggle since. We cannot shatter this momentum of peace. It is priceless. Hundreds of thousands of soldiers died under the insurmountable greed of the Japanese military elite class. 
We cannot forget those young soldiers who silently longed for their parents, yearned for their wives and children as they passed away amidst the chaos of war. American soldiers have faced similar hardships. We must cherish peace, even if it leaves us poor. The smile pales when peace is taken from us. Wars of today no longer yield winners or losers. We all become losers as our habitats become inhabitable. We must remember that our happiness today is built upon the hopes and dreams of those who passed before us. He's very eloquent. Holy shit. <laughs> I know. Like, they are very, very serious about yeah. not having this happen again. Yeah. And we should never let it happen again. Like, No, it should never happen again. I, I stand behind destroying all atomic mm. weaponry. Denuclearization. It's, it's such a horrifying thing. It's terrible. It's terrible that we still have, what are yes. we sitting on, 14,000 nuclear bombs? There's so many nuclear It's crazy. Why do we need that many nuclear bombs? Right. And it's nothing compared to what we had after the fucking Cold War. Oh, God. But, Don't even get started on but the still, Cold War. But still, we have yes. enough we to have. destroy the Earth. Like, more than once. Yes. Yeah, it's crazy. And, like, it's unfortunate that some of the most outspoken people are the ones who had to live through it. Yeah. But there they are. And some of them are so fucking old, still doing this work, still speaking out very vocally. It's awesome. So here's a, an out. Oh, oh Here good. we go. Is it a light at yes. all? Oh, God. Um, I God. mean, no. So, um, <laughs> no. <laughs> here's, here's my challenge for you all. Mm-hmm. As, we, as we wrap up this episode and with how heavy it was. And I know I'm fucking, like, emotionally drained um yeah yeah because mm-hmm. like i read um sadako and the thousand paper cranes oh i i saw the and, uh, play of that yeah it's gorgeous it's and I cry. gorgeous and it's heart-wrenching and for mm-hmm. anyone who doesn't know it's the story of a two-year-old girl who was exposed to radiation after the atomic bombing in hiroshima during world war ii she developed leukemia mm-hmm. and they there's a very old lore in Japanese culture that if you make a thousand paper cranes because it's representing of an old god, your wish will be granted. Mm -hmm. So she tried to make a thousand paper cranes, became too weak. So her classmates Mm -hmm. helped her and they got the thousand, but she died. So go learn how to make a paper crane. Yeah. And give it to someone that you care about Mm -hmm. or give it to a stranger. Mm -hmm. That's lovely. Or keep it for yourself. And also, like, first of all, if you do do that, can you please yeah, post like, a send picture. us a picture? Tag yeah. us on Instagram. Yeah, please. Or on Facebook. Or Twitter. So, yeah, put it on our Facebook page. Like, please. Yeah. We would love to see that. Um, I want to learn. I can teach I- you. I knew at one point, and I've forgotten all the folds. But I knew how to do it, and then I started doing it when I was waiting for my mom when she was at chemo. Mm-hmm. So I started making paper cranes again, that's and I legit. gave them to the nurses. Oh, that's sweet. The only other thing I would say that we should all be doing is paying attention to what's happening right now because yes. we're still talking about denuclearization. We're talking about it with North Korea. Not a lot is actually happening there, clearly. Don't be fooled until they Please. actually shut down Don't all of fooled. their manufacturing shit. Um, but yeah, remembering this stuff is important. So that we don't just, like, let our world slide into this kind of chaos again. Remember your history so you don't repeat it. Exactly. And if you see it starting to repeat, act up. Say yes. something. Say something. something. Talk to your Congress people. Sometimes they'll listen. 
There's like two I can think of specifically that are complete monsters and shitheads who will never listen. And it, uh, but um, uh, there's other ones. There's other ones who are like halfway human. Yeah. So one of those shitheads is from our state. We're talking to you, Paul Ryan. Hey. The other one was Mitch McConnell. Yeah, in case you can't he's tell, he's a turtle. He can't talk. Um, he's a monster on a level of a serial killer. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty oh, sure he's God, a fucking yeah, he's sociopath. A sociopath. <laughs> He's so fucking, absolutely. He doesn't a give a shit about anything or no, anyone. He literally just wants to watch the world burn. And exactly. Then take, he's just waiting for the moment where it gets bad enough that he walks away. Exactly. His work is done. And that's, no, he's a horrible human being. And if you support him, you probably are listening to the wrong podcast. Also, yeah. I mean, and we've how lost are everyone. You still here? It's fine. Look, um, and you can also be a Republican and recognize that this is really fucked up. Yes. So, like, I'm not saying that you're a bad person. Just. Pay attention Speak and up. write to your write to your own party members, please, about how fucked they up might this listen is. to you before they listen to someone else. Yes, thank Go you. Go make a paper crane. Go make a paper crane. Thank you for joining us on this horrible journey that yeah. we took each other on. God, this was rough. This was really this rough. Was really rough. I am like. Ex- I my soul cry. hurts. Yes, I think I might have to have a cry. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm not a crier, and I think I need to cry. Yeah, it's like real bad. Um. Don't, don't forget your can of water. I got. <laughs> no. <laughs> so sorry, guys. Bye. Love you. Oh God. <laughs> this has been a Daily Gravy production. Thanks for listening.